again. Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I am your podcast host, Jonathan Warner. Uh, we've got Sean on the other line tonight. Uh, we're going to be going through some fun happenings in college basketball. Everyone gets a waiver. Uh, Isaiah Joe is deciding to leave Arkansas for the season. I was going to talk some ACC. Sean, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very good. How about you? I'm doing well. Uh, right now, watching the Sixers, uh, the team that should have kept Mikhail Bridges and not traded for Zaire Smith, uh, watching them get blown out right now. Uh, I've got that on the background. But we're here to talk college basketball because it is a college basketball podcast. And we got to start with Isaiah Joe uh, because his decision to leave Arkansas after initially coming back is kind of a major loss for the Razorbacks this season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that deadline was always there. There was always a chance that some players decided to leave. And once they decided to uh, withdraw their name from the draft originally because the NBA deadline was different than the NCAA deadline this year. I didn't really think anybody would use that. The only one I thought that might was uh, McCormaker. Maker. I thought he was probably going to do it, but he did not, and he's staying at Howard, which is pretty cool. But, you know, losing Isaiah Joe, that's a guy that could have been an All-American. You're, st- you're still losing Mason Jones. But, you know, Arkansas had them, I believe, in – I don't remember if I had them in my top 25 or in the late 20s in my uh, top 50 and starting to get close to my top 100 being somewhat done. But, uh, you know, there's just no replacing Isaiah Joe. You know, uh, most player, it's just now who's going to be that star because last year it was Mason Jones. This year is going to be Isaiah Joe, and now they just don't have that guy. They just have a bunch of guys, but they don't have the guy. Yeah, and – like I, I still I agree with that take on Arkansas. They, you know, I think KK Robinson. I, I'm not certain he'll be able to step in right away and be a superstar, but I think he's going to be really good. Uh, I think the trajectory for this Arkansas program definitely is on the way up, but you don't have that go-to score, the guy you say, "Go get us 15, go get us 20." That that's huge. Uh, Justin Smith, I think, is a solid transfer so long as he's playing the four, not the three, like he was playing at Indiana. Vance Jackson, I think, is good. Uh, see on Jalen Tate, the uh, transfer from Northern Kentucky, I believe. Uh, they've got some good freshmen: Moses Moody, KK Robinson, Connor Vanover is good inside. But that team kind of revolved around Isaiah Joe, I think, to be the most successful and you know I still think they'll be decent going in next season I think they'll play good defense I think they'll be a good defensive team uh, but late in games against you know really good teams you need that like go-to score to get buckets and Isaiah Joe was that guy he was just an elite shooter uh, you know good size as well and without him, I, I still think Arkansas can be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I'm probably put them in the Syracuse zone of being in the bubble, but I think they can be an NCAA tournament team. But certainly the upside is limited to even you know a week ago 
when Isaiah Joe was on the team, you could potentially say Arkansas could contend for an SEC title. Uh, now I just don't think they're in that same category. Yeah, for sure. I don't really think – I know I, Isaiah Joe said – and this could be true. This is just what I think. Isaiah Joe could have – he said in his statement that due to some of the fall sports being – postponed and canceled basketball is not a fall sport and the sec hasn't done anything involving football and they plan to play so i'm just thinking did an nba team tell him something because they could still talk to him so did an nba team tell him something or did he find out something that he didn't like about returning to school like one way or another there's going to be a college basketball season so i don't think it was a decision of oh there might not be a season because we would have seen a lot more guys uh go into the NBA draft if that were the case. But Isaiah Joe to begin with, I was kind of surprised a little bit that he, like, uh, came back. I thought he would come back, but I was surprised he made his decision when he did because he still had a few days to go before the deadline, so. Yeah, I think with him, they might have been waiting for a promise from an NBA team or something like that. Maybe he originally, when he decided to come back, was like, well, you know, I, I can buy myself a little bit more time, talk to some more NBA teams, because right now it was kind of a dead period for NBA teams. It's still that way. Uh, and then the other thing, that draft, you know, with a lot of players deciding to go back to school uh, and to go, you know, back to school means more and more opportunities for players that, or in like the 50s range where Isaiah Joe probably would have been as a draft prospects to go up to maybe the 40s, get more of a guaranteed pick, uh, maybe get a team saying, yeah, we'll take you at pick uh, 38. I don't know who's 38 in the draft, but some team like that saying, yeah, we'll draft you with our second round pick. Uh, I think that's a possibility with Isaiah Joe just deciding to go back. He kept talking to NBA teams. We don't know this to be the case, but I think he probably was talking to some NBA teams that his decision was still up in the air. And uh, evidently, he's what whatever he's heard or discussed, it resulted in him deciding, hey, I'm going to go to the NBA draft as opposed to returning to Arkansas. Yeah, and you just look at what uh, Xavier Tillman said in an interview. He said that an NBA team called him when uh, Dick Vitale had tweeted that Tillman was going to return to college, and the NBA team asked him why Tillman didn't tell them that he was going back. So that's how he knew that he was wanted in the NBA, so that's how he made his decision. So Dick Vitale is the reason that Xavier Tillman left. There you go. Yeah, maybe Isaiah Joe did make his decision. And then some NBA team called Isaiah Joe's like, why, why, why are you going back to school? We were going to draft you with the 32nd pick for the overall pick. Yeah. Hey, it, it, Devin Vassell, I, I'm going to say it here. He's going to be the best player in this draft. And Isaiah Joe I has think, a similar skill set. So I think Vassell is the safest player in the draft. Yeah, that's that's my take. I don't know about LaMelo. LaMelo probably has the potential to be better, but Devin Vassell, safest player in the draft, for sure. Just a fill-in. Yeah, I'm not a LaMelo fan, so. Yeah. 
we'll see. We'll see if he's worth the hype, worth the first or second or third overall pick, because I don't think he goes outside the top three. But we'll see if Lamelo is worth the hype. But Devin Vassell certainly, in my opinion, has like the floor for him is just higher than I think it is for any other player. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Moving on, uh, not going to get into NBA. Going to go into more college news. Nogel Eastern has decided to pick a school. Uh, After originally choosing Michigan, he has decided to go to Howard. Uh, Another big win for Howard. Obviously, adding McCoor Maker earlier this offseason is huge. Uh, Now adding Nogel Eastern. We'll see if he gets a waiver the way the NCAA is handing out waivers right now. Uh, I, I st- If they're going to give Brian Penn Johnson or uh, Charles O'Bannon Jr. Wa- waivers, uh, I don't see any way No Gel Eastern doesn't get waiver. But we'll, we'll wait and see on well, him if he does get a waiver. But certainly a good addition for Howard. Yeah, definitely. I don't think he gets a waiver, but on the waiver case, like, most have had reasonable reasons for getting waivers. Like, O'Bannon left USC during the season, I believe, so he would have been eligible in the second half of the season anyways. So that's often resulted in the player just getting a waiver anyways. Yeah. But Brian, Brian Penn Johnson played, like, a combined 11 games in two years at Washington, so I think that's why he got one too. I just think they're being more lenient, but Purdue – I don't think he's going to give much of a good word for Eastern getting a waiver, especially kind of what with Matt Painter said about the harms in him leaving. You know, Nojel Eastern going to an HBCU is huge, though. I mean, you just look at all the guys they've been getting. They got Maker. They've got Cam Mack, who who went to Prayer View A&M. And now you get Nojel Eastern. That's just, he's, like you said before, he's like a light Ben Simmons. They're very, like, similar in play style, very elite defender, good playmaker, just can't shoot at all. And that's exactly what you're getting out of Eastern. But in the MEAC, he should destroy the competition. Yeah, and I, I kind of compare him to Anthony Lamb, for example. Like, Anthony Lamb is probably, if he's playing at Purdue, for example, I don't know if he's as good a player as he is playing at Vermont. I think Lamb's better than Eastern, but certainly I don't think Anthony Lamb's like a superstar mid-major or superstar player that everyone's like, wow, why didn't someone take a chance on Anthony Lamb? I don't know if teams are necessarily saying that. Lamb's obviously extremely talented. I think we've made it on the roster, but I still think at a similar level, he like an Anthony Lamb type gets more recognition or like is able to play better and they'll ignore uh, some of his flaws that he might face at the high major level. Uh, That goes for Eastern. He's Eastern, not really a good shooter, but he's a six, five long athletic, you know, physical point guard. Uh, That's going to translate to the MEAC. He can work power forward with core maker he could even switch on centers because in that league you're not really going up against uh you know the elites of the 
elite players like you are in the Big Ten. You're not going against uh, Luca Garza, even though Luca Garza defensively, I think, is an advantage. He's terrible. Yeah, not not a good, great comparison, but maybe instead of going against Xavier Tillman, who's actually yeah, that's a good one. decent defender, you're going against, uh, well, not even Ben Stanley, because he's now transferred, but someone like a Ben Stanley, who's a little bit lower level of a player, especially on the defensive end, uh, in most of the times more undersized, which I think gives a player like Eastern more of an advantage going to that level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was a vital part to that Purdue Elite Eight run. I mean, he just wasn't knocking down shots like Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards were, but he was still important to that team quite a bit. Yeah, certainly. I I just think when you get Eastern at that MIAC level, let's say he gets a waiver uh, and is able to play with McCour Maker because I, I really hope that happens. Uh, and the NCAA at this point just handing out waivers left, right, and center. So it's a potential. Uh, maybe the case isn't warranted, but I think he has a chance to get a waiver, and if he does, he that's going to be a really good uh, front court slash, I guess, Eastern can kind of play point guard. So that that's going to be at least a really good two-man combination on a Howard team that I think will be the favorites to win the MEAC next season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd love to see Eastern and Maker play together. Hopefully Eastern can get a waiver so that comes to fruition, but we'll have to see, I guess. But still huge for the HBCU movement. Yeah, and even when make, – because Maker's a one-and-done prospect. Even when he leaves, I guess Howard's going to be decent next year as well. Yeah, I mean, Maker, I, I don't know that he's set in stone to be a one-and-done prospect. I mean, I mean, it depends how he does this year, I guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But maybe he's a two-and-done and Eastern gets eligible for next year and then Howard picks up that a couple more uh, pieces. Like, let's say Howard picks up a couple top 70, top 200 recruits even. Uh, and then No Jell Eastern gets eligible. McCour Maker, uh, it comes back for his sophomore season. It, that's that's a potential team that could pull off an upset or something in the NCAA tournament. No, definitely. That'd be the first... HBCU to win a NCAA tournament game since Norfolk State beat Missouri back in 2013, I want to say. Uh, 2012. 2012, there you go. Yeah, because it was the same night that uh, C.J. McCollum and Lehigh beat Duke. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember that. Anyway, uh, moving on, the NCAA is kind of starting to float an idea of the potential bubble first Mark Emmert said there's a potential for bubble. Now I think John Calipari said that they they should do the champions classic in a bubble. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, I think it's been reported today that uh, teams are exploring having like an Orlando Disney bubble, similar to what the NBA is doing for like early season tournaments. Uh, 
what what's your take on the bubble? Does it obviously it does work? Do you think it can work for a full season in college basketball? Definitely. I mean, depend. I don't think everybody thought that the bubble is going to work. And when I say not everybody, I mean Dan Wolken because he uh, has some pretty fun tweets about how the bubble definitely wasn't going to work. And clearly he was not correct. But besides that point about him just, you know, being wrong often, uh, I think bubble a bubble could definitely work. And I think they don't even have to do it in like Orlando because sooner rather than later, all of these schools are going to go to remote learning from home. I mean, these these I'm a college age person. You're a college age person. None of these people around our age can control themselves like I can. You can. But a majority don't seem like they have the ability to. And they want to just go to parties and get hammered and do this and do that while not wearing a mask in the middle of a pandemic. You know, clearly not great decisions. And then you look at I forgot what school it was, but they had a. They still have uh, frats open, I guess, and like 25 people got it in the frat. So clearly that wasn't a great idea either. So I think sooner rather than later, all of these schools are going to go to remote learning. I mean, North Carolina, they had a big outbreak. So these schools go to remote learning. I think that'll make the bubble very easy. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that take. The, the other thing that's going to be, I think, interesting to watch i think there's going to be some more testing they saw the fda approved saliva based testing uh just recently i think the i think illinois chicago i think it was they're working on another kind of like quick accurate test as well that could be approved within the next uh who knows when uh, we obviously don't know the timing on the vaccine uh, whether the vaccine will be effective or not. But let's say that's another thing that I, I know right now you don't really know what the case, what's going to be different about December as compared to now. And but I do think there'll be some sort of medical advancements uh, to kind of make the season happen. And if we can if you sign me up right now for December 1st, let's say the NCAA decides, hey, December 1st, that's when the first games can take place, or even January 1st, uh, then I I would sign up for that because I, I do think it if the NCAA starts to put kind of a date on everything, uh, starts to you know start making arrangements, and teams start to make arrangements as well, I think that's a sign for college basketball happening i think college basketball will definitely happen this season uh and i feel really mm-hmm. confident in that but the longer the more decisions that kind of get made now uh for plan even if it's plan d plan f plan z or whatever it is uh, just come up with these ideas to make the season work i think we do get a season yeah i mean whether it's right or wrong no matter, they can, I don't think, I don't know if they're allowed to do this, but they would play in a different country if they needed to. They are not losing that $1 billion check from TV revenue. They're just not. That's what it comes down to. Whether it's right or wrong, the players are going to want to play, the coaches are going to want to coach, and the NCAA is going to want to cash that big check at the end of the tournament. 
that's what it comes down to for everything. I mean, I know all these people on Twitter and stuff are saying are trying to make decisions for the players and all that. Let the players make their decision. If they want to play, perfect. If they don't want to, then that's perfect too. Let the players continue to use their voice and make the decision they want to make. Yeah, and I think most of the players want to play. Uh, obviously, the fans want to play. The players want to play. The parents even want them to play, and they're the ones who yep. probably have the most writing in this, more so than the players. And if the parents mm-hmm. want to play, I I think obviously it's important to make safe, responsible decisions that will keep the players safe when they do play. But I think if everyone's on board with playing uh, and the people that aren't on board can – I think the NCAA just approved today that in fall sports you can get another year of additional, like an additional year of eligibility if you decide not to play this year. I think if you do that for college basketball, say, hey, if you don't want to play, uh, if you're fine just sitting out for the season, then you can obviously get an additional year, but. If you want to play, we were, we're going to do what's best to make sure that you can play and play safely. And I think, obviously, the NCAA will do that because they need college basketball to happen. I think the NCAA, just as an organization, needs that to happen more so than it needs college football or any other sport. Yeah, definitely. They'll find a way to make it work. Certainly. Uh, moving on, we have had... Plenty of waivers approved uh, just recently. Uh, just before we even got on the show, Holland Woods for Arizona State uh, re- recently just got a waiver. Uh, Alan Griffin, Jalen Carey, Brian Penn Johnson, just to name a few. We've had plenty of waivers, uh, and we're going to start. We'll, we'll start with Holland Woods. Uh, I know you have a take. What's your take on Holland Woods getting a waiver? Well, yeah, he has an interesting situation on his hands because Arizona State is very deep with guard depth. You know, you have Remy Martin, you have Alonzo Verge, you have uh, Josh Christopher, you have Jalen House, and you have Caleb Christopher. And Holland Woods is always going to get a waiver. He's from Phoenix, where Arizona State's located. He was always going to get a waiver. It's just does he want to use it or not. He can sit out this season and play next season as a starter with Luther Muhammad, a transfer from Ohio State, who is going to sit this season. I think it depends what he wants. Does he want to play 12 to 18 minutes on a team that's going to be really good? Or does he want to play 25 to 30 minutes on a team that's not going to be as good? It really depends what he wants. Does he want to improve his future uh, professional draft stock? Or does he want to try to win a championship while playing? It's up to him, really. But I think he just tweeted that uh, that he's free now because he got the waiver. So, you know, something like that could mean that he does plan on playing. But it's tough to tell. But right now I'd say if I were in his shoes, I wouldn't play. But I think he will. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, on Arizona State, he'll be – with Remy Martin, obviously, not going to play over him. Alonzo Verge, not going to play over him. Josh Christopher, I guess they could – with Woods, you can kind of move Christopher to the three in some lineups, but he'll still be behind 
Martin, and Burke. Uh, and that that's going to be harder to earn necessarily more than 15 uh, minutes per game. Uh, just having those two superstars uh, in front of you, because the, the other thing having two superstars like that is you can't really go out three guards, uh, a three guard lineup with Christopher at the four, because at that point you're way undersized. So they, they kind of need to only have Verge and Martin on the court, if not Woods filling in for the M. So it doesn't make a ton of sense for him to play this season, given that I think next season he could go on the court and play, you know, 25, 30 minutes and be a legitimate, like, f- first or second option on Arizona State. So it doesn't make a ton of sense, at least to me, for him to play, but certainly having the optionality to decide if you want to play certainly going to be big for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the depth on Arizona State with guards is already great, and if he plays, it's just even better. Certainly. Uh, Arizona State, if their their backcourt, nothing to be worried about, at least. Uh, We'll still see frontcourt-wise if they can, if Jalen Graham can be really like the piece they need or if you know what what will happen in the front court but certainly backcourt questions uh there are absolutely none when it comes to Arizona State yeah definitely and I think Jalen Graham will have a big season but we'll have to see what comes of it definitely uh next up Alan Griffin uh he's off to Syracuse and he has gotten a waiver as well uh he, he joins kind of an elite shooting backcourt. Joe Girard, uh, Buddy Beheim already there. Uh, it would be fun to watch Elijah Hughes if he would have decided to come back for another season. Obviously, I think he's going to be either a first or an early second round pick, so don't blame him. But Syracuse, one of the elite shooting teams in college basketball next season. Yeah, definitely. That's a really talented shooting team. You know, there's questions with depth and there's questions with how their bigs will play because neither Dolajai or Sadibe are really offensive players at all, but they're both pretty good defenders. But when you have three scorers and shooters, like they have three elite shooters with Gerard. I know he only shot 31% or something like that last season from deep. He's going to do much better. I mean, you can just tell by watching him. He just has a beautiful jumper. He, I could see him hitting 40% pretty easily. You know, Buddy Bayheim had 15 a game last season and shot 37%. And then Alan Griffin shot 41% at Illinois. I mean, when you have that kind of shooting ability on your team, it's going to be a t- tough team to beat come March. Yeah, and then add in Quincy Garrier, who's, I think, a really good four-man. Obviously not like the floor spacer you would want, but he's going to be good. Uh, I, I just think the Syracuse team's going to be really fun going into next season. Uh, and we'll, we'll see what kind of comes of the 2-3 zone because that's always something to watch out. But I think going into next season, the Orange should be right on the bubble, just like always. Yep, and then they'll go to the Sweet 16 as an 11 seed, so... Yeah, they'll they'll get first four 
first four to final four, something like that. Just See, Tom, is it will play Jaron Jackson Jr. this time, though? Uh, I don't know if Jaron Jackson Jr. has any eligibility. Maybe, maybe next, maybe Imani Bates reclassifies to this season, and then uh, Tom Izzo decides, hey, I'm going to sit out Imani Bates for the uh, final you know, 20 minutes of the game just to play Ben Carter because that's a great idea. Yeah, that was a pretty poor decision by Tom Izzo, but even if they had Jaron Jackson Jr. on the team, he still probably wouldn't play him. I don't know what that was all about, but it was a terrible decision. If they played Jaron Jackson Jr., that that team, I think, I don't know if they win that game by – I think they win that game, but I don't know if they get by Duke, but certainly they don't lose to Syracuse. Cause that, yeah, I think they definitely win that game. Yeah, they'll they'll beat Syracuse. I still think they lose to Duke in the next game, but they, then you don't have the infamous zone versus zone battle in the uh, Sweet 16, so may, maybe, maybe it's all for the best. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on. Uh, Brian Penn Johnson gets his waiver to play at LSU. He kind of reminds me of a uh, Cavill Bigby Williams, where he really get a lot of minutes at the previous Pac-12 school. Uh, Cavill Bigby Williams didn't really get a ton of minutes at Oregon when he was there. Uh, Brian Penn Johnson got basically no playing time while at Washington. So both are, I think, big physical, you know, athletic recruits. And I, I think Penn Johnson, I think he'll come in and be kind of a good stabilizing force down low. He can block shots, uh, you know, can run, run. I, I think that's kind of what LSU needs, especially offensively. Yeah, he's seven foot with the seven seven wingspan. I mean, you just kind of have to stand there, and you'll probably make an impact. He. He uh, only played a few games at Washington in the two seasons he was there, but the talent's definitely going to be on full display. It's just that size is just so big. And obviously losing Emmett Williams, which you just found out recently, is going to be a big blow. Uh, He can definitely step into that role and be big this year. Yeah, and unlike Emmett Williams, he is actually big, whereas Emmett Williams is a mere six, six. So having a seven foot guy, certainly I think a little bit better at protecting the rim defensively than Emmett Williams. I think Williams more athletic, more, you know, dedicated to getting rebounds, uh, better, shooter, better shooter, uh, more, more like a Dennis Rodman type, whereas Brian Penn Johnson is just, I think another Cavale Bigby Williams. So, like Shaq, if Shaq wasn't that good at basketball. Yeah, like Shaq without the basketball skills. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they'll have Sharif on the team, so maybe he Sharif like can transform the uh, superpowers onto Brian Penn Johnson, and then that that will somehow make Brian Penn Johnson an elite uh, superstar. That will someday get on TV just like Shaq. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the next one, uh, Charles O'Bannon uh, Jr. He's now eligible for TCU. Didn't really play a whole lot at USC. 
So he's going to TCU uh, playing for Jamie Dixon. He should step in, play pretty quickly while at TCU. Uh, So it's, I guess, good to see him get a waiver as well. Obviously, his dad took down the NCAA, so uh, cheering for anyone that can take down the NCAA, and Charles O'Bannon did that. Charles O'Bannon Jr., uh, probably not going to take down the NCAA title, but he'll at least be a solid player on a TCU team that probably won't be that good this year. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people don't like Ed O'Bannon and his father because he's the reason there's no NCAA football video games anymore, so you could put that blame on Ed O'Bannon right there. But his son, it's not his fault that his dad did that. His son may have enjoyed the NCAA football games for all we know. But, uh, you know, going to TCU, it's going to be an interesting team. I don't think they're that good, but they could win some games. Kevin Samuel, I think, is going to be a really good player this year. Yeah, Losing Desmond Bain is huge. He's going to be a first-round pick in the NBA draft. P.J. Fuller, I like his talent. He could be something in the future. R.J. Nemhard, he's not bad. He's just really inefficient. It's just... We'll have to see what this team is this year. I don't, you know, they won 16 games last year, I believe. They can win around that this year. Yeah, TCU is kind of just a, like, boring team, per se. Is R.J. Nimhard not really a superstar? Kevin Samuel, he's, he's really good. He's efficient. He does everything you could want out of a big. But at the same time, when he's your best player uh, on the team, the team's probably not going to be all that great. And just no offense to Kevin Samuel. Think Jair, Grayer, uh, Edric Dennis, PJ Fuller, you mentioned him. I think they'll take a step forward. I, I just don't see TCU doing a whole lot uh, just in terms of like even making the NCAA tournament. Maybe they finish like eighth or beat Baylor again in the regular season. But I don't see a whole lot out of this TCU team other than maybe getting, winning a couple games here or there. Yeah, TCU's kind of in a bad spot right now. I mean, a couple of years ago with Alex Robinson and Jalen Fisher before he got hurt and transferred and Desmond Bain, and I think I'm missing somebody, but a couple of years ago and then they ended up going to the NIT. It's just been kind of downhill since they went to the tournament three years ago and lost to uh, Syracuse that same tournament where uh, Syracuse beat Michigan State. You know, it's just, they're they're just not in a great spot. And I bet Jamie Dixon wishes that he didn't have an issue with his buyout, so he could have ended up at UCLA. Oh, certainly. He he definitely wishes that upon himself. I still think Dixon, in terms of, like, job security, has, like, so much flexibility with that job where I don't think he'll be leaving anytime soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's not on the hot seat. There's that team just in a bad spot. Yeah, TCU when he got there was like they were abysmal. They were like worst team in the Big Twelve. Eight. While while they're probably not gonna make the NCAA tournament this year, and who knows going forward, I still think what Dixon has done at TCU has been uh, super good, and obviously not looking on a good trajectory right now. We'll see if he can maybe turn the tides back in his favor, but 
Could be interesting to see TCU. They've got Charles O'Ban Jr., so anything is possible. Oh, for sure. They might. Uh, we might be seeing them in the CIT or something. That's that's a tournament that's definitely not going to happen. So I guess we won't see them in that. Yeah, maybe they sneak into the NIT and make a run to the title game. Is NIT going to happen? May, may as well. May as well happen. I mean, I hope so. I like the NIT. The NIT doesn't get enough respect. I just I want to see it happening. It'll, it'll happen. Well, well let, let, let's just hope it happens, and then TCU can play Texas in the title game just like two years ago. Texas is back. Texas is back in the NIT. Yeah. yeah. Mo- moving on, uh, going to get into some ACC talk. Uh, we've kind of been throughout the offseason discussing different conferences. So going to go into the ACC this time. Uh, going to do our favorite, like our top contenders, Dark Horse, Sleeper. And I've added one uh, just now. Team that is most likely to disappoint. Uh, so we're going to start oh, okay. with the favorite. Okay, my I start. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, go for it. All right, my favorite is Virginia. I feel like as everybody's is. I've been I was on the Jay Huff train pretty early uh, in the off season, saying that he's going to win ACC Player of the Year. Now that seems like a pretty consensus thing. I just think he's really good. He's going to have a great season. Kia Clark, you know, I'm not super high on. Uh, Michael Hunter, ACCBR1, thinks that uh, Kia Clark is better than David Johnson. Nope. I don't think nope. that's true at all. But <laughs> And then you have Casey Morcell, who's a good defender. Hopefully shoots over 17% from three this year. That would be pretty ideal. Tomas Wilde, Tensai, Sam Hauser. It's a good team. Uh, Jabari Abdurrahim. They'll have a really good season. They could cut down the nets for a second consecutive title. Yeah, I'm not. I'm kind of. Virginia is also my favorite in the ACC, but I'm not as high on Virginia when it comes to winning the NCAA tournament. Just because, like, I still question the offense. Well, I think it'll be much better than it was last year when. It was basically uh, just awful, to say the least. I think they'll still be good defensively. Jay Huff, obviously, is going to be an elite defender. He's going to, I think, kind of take over this scoring load that D. Kite kind of showed inside. I think Kike Clark, is he is kind of what he is. He's, he's solid. He can find open teammates. I don't think really, you know, Teams are going to be super scared of Kihei Clark, especially offensively. Uh, Casey Morsell, he can't shoot any worse, right? Uh, can't possibly shoot worse. Well done, Tenzai is solid. I, I just think this team's solid. They play good defensively. Sam Hauser into the mix, obviously, adds at least some offense for this Virginia team. I'm not on, as bullish on their like title chances, but I think they'll win the ACC this year just because... They're kind of a, the best team in a ACC that I s- still see has a lot of question marks. 
Yeah, I I just, you know, Tony Bennett, you can't count Tony Bennett out. I feel like he doesn't get the respect he deserves because they lost to a 16 seed. Well, you know what? They went and won the national championship the next year. And guess what? DeAndre Hunter, that guy who became a top five pick in the NBA draft, he wasn't playing for Virginia. He tore his ACL or something. I don't think he tore his ACL. I looked it up and that wasn't what it was. But let's go with he tore his ACL anyways. He was out for the season regardless. It doesn't really matter what it was. But if DeAndre Hunter plays in that game, they win it. Yeah, I agree. And him kind of not being here just kind of led to a domino effect where the team didn't really they got out to a you know slow start and they weren't able to instead of being able to switch to have that small ball lineup uh, with Hunter at the four, they kind of weren't able to do that in that game. And that obviously hurt because I think DeAndre Hunter, his thing is he could kind of come in, play the four and be that perfect mix to Jerome or uh, Kyle guy in the corner is like a third option. Obviously not having that, uh, was not really beneficial to Virginia's chances in that game. Uh, so ob- obviously they lose that one, but they yeah. win the national championship the next year. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is there. He hits the huge corner three in the title game to help send it to overtime. And Virginia, I don't think they'll repeat it necessarily to say as champions, but I think they win the ACC after nearly – they they nearly won the ACC last year. It was kind of basically people forget scheduling, but Virginia they they finished. They were one of the four teams that would have made the NCAA tournament from the ACC last year. Yep. Like on paper, that team honestly wasn't that good. I mean, they just weren't that good. And this season, they I feel like even though they lose Mamadi Diakite, they get a lot better. Yeah. Uh, moving on, top contenders in the league. I like Louisville. I lo- like Louisville a lot. I I think I'm higher on David Johnson in, than you are, uh, which is saying something because you're pretty high on David Johnson. I think. Whoa. Are you trying to say I don't respect David Johnson? I'm, I'm going hotter take, though. I'm going all American. He's going to be. An All-American this year. Gee, I mean, I don't disagree. You need to be talking to Michael Hunter about disrespecting David Johnson. 21st best player in the ACC. 21st. Utter blasphemy. It, I, I hope 20. he's listening to this part in the podcast. We're now 44 minutes into the podcast. Uh, if he's listening, that that is utter blasphemy. Uh, you can't yeah. name two players in the ACC better than David Johnson, at least of the returning. Well, I had Mike DeVoe over him. Okay, so Mike DeVoe, I, I'm I'm going David Johnson yeah. over Mike. I'm pulling up my my personal rankings right now. Jay Huff, I, I'll take that argument. Maybe Scotty Barnes although he's not a returning player, maybe Garrison Brooks. I'm taking That's David not what my list is. <laughs> I, I'm taking David Johnson over anyone else. Uh, 21 on 
the best returning players in the ACC. Utter blasphemy. He's going to be sensational this year. I think he takes a huge step forward. I think he'll average close to, you know, 14, 15 points per game. He'll dish out like six assists per game. And I think Louisville as well is going to be a team that is going to surprise some people. I, I see them finishing second in the ACC. See, I say, I say the same. That's why we get along well and this uh, partnership, I guess, works. Because I've been saying the same thing. I agree with you on the Louisville take. Louisville is going to be awesome. They're a really good team. Chris Max, a great coach. David Johnson's a stud. That dude can hoop. He's going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft next year. And then, you know, Carly Jones, I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about him at all. Maybe a lot of people didn't tune into the Big South, which is probably the case. But Carly Jones, it's not like he was putting up empty stats on a bad team. That Radford team was good, even though they lost. I think they lost to Hampton in the first round of the Big South tournament. I might be wrong. But uh, Carly Jones had like 20 a game, and he shot 49% from the field and 40% from deep. That plays. They did lose to Hampton, 86-78. to Want to guess the o- I'll set the over-under on Ben Stanley points at 20.5. Over-under. See, I, but I told you this before I was riding. I told you Hampton was going to win that Big South tournament. Do you remember this? Yes. I told you that. They didn't do it, but they almost did. But I think I think Marrow had like 34. I think Stanley had under 20. Stanley had 26 in this game. Jermaine Marrow had 36. Okay. 36? Oh, and get this. He had 10 assists as well. Jermaine Marrow. What a performance. God, what a beast. I miss Jermaine Merrow already. Like, I could just watch Jermaine Merrow play basketball forever, and now he's just gone and, and sad. All he graduated. Nothing happened to him. He just graduated. That sounded kind of weird, but yeah. We Give him an extra year of eligibility. Come on. Oh, God. And then Ben Stanley can come back. Yes, Ben Stanley, Jermaine Merrill, uh, bring them both back. Run it back. Maybe we'll get TBT a couple of years. We'll get a Hampton oh. team in the. We'll get a Hampton in. team in the non-bubble TBT, and they're going to go to the final four. How about, how about this? A Big South team. You can have Chris Clemens on it too. Ooh, I like that. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Big Big South TBT. Uh, that's what we need in a couple of years. Chris Clemens. Although Chris Clemens right now, he's actually like a good player on the Houston Rockets. So maybe we No, he's a good player. He just doesn't play. They don't play him enough. Like he plays like three minutes a game. If the Houston Rockets want to win the championship, they he needs a start. Well, they, they, they don't want to show their cards early. You, you don't want to like bring out the good stuff in the first couple rounds. They... They're saving him for the Lakers. So when, although I guess Lakers don't, they <laughs> the might be losing to the Blazers. So, yeah. and I, I still think the Rockets can beat the Trailblazers without bringing out their best stuff. So maybe they're saving them for the Clippers. Yeah, for sure. It, it's going to be uh, 
Chris Clemens going to come out game seven of the Western Conference Finals against the Clippers, score 47 points, and that's how the Rockets get to the finals. Cool. I would do anything for that to happen. Hot takes only here on this podcast. But Louisville, yeah, you mentioned Carlick Jones. He's an elite scorer. I really like Charles Menland. Uh I think he was yeah. just really solid. He's going to play, I think, some three, some four alongside Sam Williamson. Uh, Malik Williams is a really good center. I just really like this Louisville team. I think it's kind of that roster construction that I really like where they're playing four round one. They have four good shooters and Johnson, maybe not the best shooter, but I think with Williamson, Minlin, and Carlick Jones, that's three elite shooters. And then David Johnson can kind of just roam around the paint, throw lobs to Malik Williams or score inside. So I really like this roster construction. I think Louisville is going to be really good uh, this season. I I have them as my top contender in the uh, ACC. Yeah, I definitely think they can win the ACC this year. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the dark horse, kind of the sleeper team. I, I, I'm I, not going to go Georgia Tech just because everyone's going with Georgia Tech. Uh, Are they really a sleeper, though? Like, what do we define sleeper as? Like, I think everyone has them as a top five team in the ACC. Like, what are we defining sleeper? I'm I'm on the dark horse, like a dark horse team. Oh, like oh dark horse. Okay, yeah. My sleeper bet. sleeper team. I've got a different team. Okay, yeah, my bad. A dark horse team. I we talked on them earlier. Syracuse is gonna be interesting. I think they've got an elite shooting uh, team. Obviously, you got Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim. Now you have Alan Griffin in the mix. Uh, originally, Georgia Tech was probably my uh, dark horse team. But they've almost gotten too much love. I'll go with Syracuse in this one. I'll go with Georgia Tech. I mean, Mike DeVoe, such a good scorer. Jose Alvarado, he's a good player. Jordan Usher is actually, like, really bad at basketball. And he – I don't know how he's so bad. Like, no disrespect to Jordan Usher. You're definitely not listening to this podcast, but he's not good. Like, I, like I was looking at his – Huh? Get better. Get better, Jordan. Yeah, like, I was looking at his stats, and I'm like, I feel like Jordan Usher had a pretty good season last year, and he shot, like, 37% from the field and, like, 27% from three. And I'm like, yeah, this dude's not good at basketball. I just I, – he has the physical tool. He's like Tayshawn Cherry from Arizona State. Like, he has the physical tools to be good. He's just not. Yeah. Some, but some, most some right, physical tools aren't all you need. Yeah. And then you got Moses Wright. He's a good player. You have Bubba Parham, really fast. Uh, I think he's 5'10". He's really fast guard, though. Uh, you know, there's a lot there, and I think the the Yellow Jackets will have a big season. And if they don't, Josh Passner will be out of a job. It's sim- simple as that. You heard it here first. If Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech probably, realistically, they should move on from Josh Passner if they... Oh, yeah like miss the NCAA tournament this season, but Georgia tech, I don't trust them to fire Josh Pastor. So we'll Georgia see. tech had a sneaky good season last year though. Like, do you know how many games they won? I think they won 19. They went 17 and 14, 11 and nine in ACC play. 
So they could have won 19 and if they played in the ACC tournament. Like they were, uh, like they would have been an NIT team if they weren't postseason banned. Yeah, although they wouldn't have ended up playing in the ACC tournament because they were like they the were five seed. Band, right. So they would have been the five seed in the ACC tournaments, which at that point I think the ACC tournament got canceled. Yeah. And they, they could have won a couple more games as well. I They lose to Georgia Tech, close game, early in the season. Mason Jones, they lost a 40-footer to beat Ar- Arkansas to beat them. Like, they, they yeah. lost a couple dumb games. Ball State, that that's a typical Josh Pathos. They lost Ball to State? Ball State. I don't remember that. They, was that at the Diamond Head Classic? Uh, or was see. it one of the campus games before it? Because I know they were both in it. Uh, it was, I think, a campus. Yeah, it's a campus game. And then they went to the Diamond Head Classic. They beat Boise State 74-60. to uh, lost to Houston, seventy to fifty-nine, and then beat Hawaii, which counts as a road game, seventy to fifty-three. Yeah, interesting. So, Ball State got to watch out for them this year. That's that's a typical Josh Pastner loses that game though. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think Josh Pastner is a good coach. So no. Moving on, sleeper team. Uh, so take Georgia Tech, take Syracuse, uh, take any team that could be considered a sleeper team. Uh, throw them out. I'm going Boston College. One, no no one's expecting anything out of Boston College. You knew I was going to say that. No, no one's expecting them to do anything. JP really? is really solid. Winston Tabbs coming back from injury. He was really good his first year. Uh, uh-huh. Derek Thornton coming into the mix uh, as well. Derek Thornton is a team, and he was terrible too. Oh, wait. He did, he did great. I was thinking of Stefan Mitchell. Never mind. Thank God thinking. Derek Thornton graduated. He was so bad. The Hamiltons, Jarius and uh, Jared Hamilton. Oh, they both left too. Wait, Jared, Jared graduate. I know. Gr- one went one went to Maryland, I think. I forgot which one. And one graduated, I think. Point is, Boston College, they're going <laughs> to sneak up on people. Most people are pulling them or saying, well, Boston College will finish 14th. They're not going to finish 14th. They're going to finish, like, 10th. 10th in the They eighth. snuck up on apparently, too. Yeah, I mean, I did write about Boston College like a good two and a half months ago about why they might make the NCAA tournament, so I wasn't sleeping on them. But Jay Heath and Winston Tabbs being healthy is big. Stephon Mitchell is a beast, uh, just the glue guy. Yeah. Then you have uh, C.J. Felder. You have uh, Rich Kelly, a transfer from Quinnipiac. He's in a he's a really good shooter. Andre Adams, a transfer from South or South, Southern Utah. There we go. Uh, evidence it, great, Makai Ashton Langford, who's 
sensational at Providence. Yeah, he was outstanding. He had like a 2.3 points per game on like 21% shooting. He's Casey Morcell minus the defense. So, yeah, what's not to love? I, I think Casey Morcell would be offended by that. Casey Morcell shot 28% from the field. He, he should be offended. That's there, there's no com- that's just awful. But so so was Micaiah and Langford. Uh, his brother's going to be there. His brother's a pretty good recruit. Yeah, so Mar, right? Yeah, he'll he'll be there. We'll see. I guess hopefully he does. But he hey he can't be any worse than he can't shoot any worse than Makai Ashton Langford, right? Yeah, that's true. And you look at uh, speaking of brothers, I mean, I think maybe the 76ers need Michael Carter Williams back. I mean, his brother is Marcus Zagorowski. Maybe they could team up next season, but the 76ers are terrible. But that's besides the point. Just had to mention that real fast. They, they, they uh, definitely should not have uh, traded uh, Mikhail Bridges for Zaire Smith. Just a hot take. But mm-hmm. that was yeah. definitely a mistake. Yeah. I, I really liked Zaire Smith coming out of college, but Mikhail Bridges was just – like, no offense, better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you've got a 6'8 guy that can play elite defense and knock down 40% of the threes. That That's exactly what you need in modern-day basketball, especially when you have Ben yep. Simmons who can't shoot. Oh, yeah. And then you have Joel Embiid, who's, like, a physical monster, and he just likes to take contested jumpers like yeah let's do that yeah i to be fair if mikhail bridges and ben simmons were on the roster i don't think he's doing that but i'll like imagine so they could have had just nba tangent here they could have had Embiid, simmons jimmy butler and mikhail bridges all on the same team along with Tobias Harris. But they did. They decided to trade away Tyre Smith. SMU legend Shake Milton. Yeah, he's... He's not bad. He's not bad. The rest of the team is. Yeah. Uh, And then... Going back to the ACC, though... Team most likely to disappoint. I'll let you start, but I have a big finish. Hmm. I wonder what you... I know what you're going to say. Can I spoil what you're going to say? If you want. Does the coach... Did you text me the other day and say that their coach's name is uh, Bad? Not like he has a bad name. You just took a letter out of his name. His name is Brad, and then you said his name is Bad because he's oh. a bad coach. Oh, nope, nope, no, a different no. team. Okay, so I, it's I not Clemson. Any hope for bad, bad Brownell in Clemson? Never yeah. had for them. So. I'm gonna go with. Um, this is a tough one. You put you put this one on me. Uh, it wasn't in the notes, so I'm gonna go with Miami. Oh, no, 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 hold on, scratch that. I'm gonna go with Florida State. Because uh, uh, rats. 
I have them, uh, I think, like, 31st in my top 50. That's soon to be top 100 whenever I finish it. But, like, I just don't think they're that good. Like, I had someone ask me, like, where's MJ Walker in your top 25 ACC players list? I'm like, he's just not uh, one of the top 25 best players in the ACC. That's where he is. And then he's a top 25 player for, like, two games a year, and then... You don't hear yeah. from other games. Like, if you shoot, like, 39% from the field, you're usually not going to get on one of my lists. It's just not good. And then, like, Scotty Barnes is going to be a really good player, but how much are you going to put on his plate? Like, he's a freshman. He's going to be asked to do so much. Balsa Koprovica, you know, he I think he's talented, but he's a five-man who can't shoot, really. Like, it's just, I just don't think there's a ton there this year. I think Florida State is really going to disappoint. Yeah, I'm on the same page. Hearing that Sky Barnes is going to be the point guard, so he's uh, coming out of high school, a power forward that will now play point guard, so that would be interesting to see what he kind of does. You mentioned MJ Walker. He'll he'll have two or three games this year where he'll go up for like 25 points and you know, show everyone he's an elite player, and then the other... 30 games or however many games Florida State will play, he will score like six points a game. Uh, just take out those three outlier performances where he does well. I do like the GOAT Juco transfer, Sadir Calhoun. I think he's going to be a good player. I've seen a couple of mixtapes of him uh, back in Juco, and he's a really good shooter. Uh, but this team just has a lot of, like, players that don't really excite me they don't have enough like shooting Malik Asborn uh, Raekwon Gray Balsa Kopravika uh, they all play like they kind of do the same thing they're all like prototypical big men down low uh, yeah. and then Sky Barnes is not really an elite shooter I just don't see much shooting with this team I would say yeah, and they lose Devin Vassell. Yeah, that's where, like, if Devin Vassell was on the team, I'd be buying into Florida State, but he's obviously not on the team. Trent uh, Forrest. Trent Forrest as well. He's an elite defender as well. Uh, losing an elite defender like that is going to be hard to replace. I just don't see a lot to like with this Florida State team, and – this coming from someone that bought all the Florida State stock preseason. So I'm selling all the Florida State stock. I think they're not going to be, you know, all that good. I think they'll make the NCAA tournament just because I I think they're going to be able to just out-athletic enough teams to make the NCAA tournament. But outside of that, I just don't really like this Florida State team on paper this season. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I mean, I didn't like him last year either, to be fair. I know I wasn't uh, riding at that point, but, you know, I would have, I probably would have said something to the degree of they're probably not a tournament team. And they lost to Pittsburgh in the first game of the season, but they really turned it on later in the year. I think that, you know, Vassell really came on last year. I just don't think they have a guy who can come on like Vassell did last year. Yeah, and then. Trent Forrest, I think his thing is he was just an outstanding like leader 
And then you add that with Patrick Williams, who's in oh, Patrick Williams. That dude is physical freak. Physical monster. Yeah. Like losing those three players and not really having a player that kind of fills those three roles. I guess with the physical freak, you can kind of get that in Sky Barnes, but still losing Trent Forrest and Devin Vassell and not really replacing them with anyone that's comparable to that, I think is a bigger issue than most people are leading on and kind of why I'm not sold on Florida State this year. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to need to see them have players who develop before I buy in. Well, that will wrap it up for at least the show notes that I have. Uh, you have any uh, takes you need to get off your mind ch- chest first? <laughs> um, you know, I got to – Drew Timmy is still going to win National Player of the Year. Um, that's definitely going to happen. I mean, you got – I haven't seen anybody come at me for saying that's like that crazy yet, but I've been saying it for like four months, three months. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. He'll score 20 a game this year. And I honestly don't – I'm not kidding. I think he will be National Player of the Year. That's what That's what I got. And Luca Garza, my, my take, Luca Garza, don't, don't buy into the stock. He will not win National Player of the Year, uh, at least this year. Oh, I don't think he does. At I, least I, this year. He's a year. I don't think there's going to be another year. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's not going to win it this year. Yeah, I don't. He might win. He might win MVP of like, uh, in like Europe in a couple of years. But I don't think he'll be National Player of the Year. We'll, we'll see about the Europe, but I don't think he'll win National Player of the Year. I I just I see some regression with Luca Garza. I, yeah, I do too, especially if take defense into account. Yeah, I think de- defense cost him the National Player of the Year. Maybe he'll. What what I could see happening, he'll try to be so much better defensively that'll take a toll on his offensive game. That could be a thing. So we'll 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 see though. I'm I'm still selling the Luca Garza stock, uh, and I'll buy anyone else's uh, stock. Drew Timmy selling. Drew Timmy, sure. I think he has a yeah. better chance than Luca Garza. Of winning National Player of the Year. That's yeah, for the take sure. all leave. Yeah. Who do you have win the NBA title while we're here? <sighs> oh, man, that's tough. Who do I want to win it is the Trailblazers. Who do I think will win it? Let's go with the Clippers. Yeah, Clippers are a good bet. I, I, I could see – I'm like – not all too unconvinced the Raptors don't win it again this year. Which they would could. Be, yeah. It would be the most 2020 thing to happen for just the Raptors to win the NBA championship after a giant pandemic that forces the entire world to world end shut down and the NBA to go into a giant bubble. Yeah. Oh, and I... I'll say I have one more take. Oh, wait, you go. What's the other pick? No, I said I have another take. Speaking of the Raptors, Chris Boucher, if he didn't get hurt for Oregon in 2017, uh, 2018, was it, when uh, North Carolina won it all and Oregon couldn't get a rebound, 
I think Oregon wins that Final Four game against North Carolina and then beats Gonzaga in the championship. Ooh, that's a that's a good take. That's a good team. Peyton Pritchard, Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey, Jordan Bell, Elgin Cook, I believe, was still on that team. Then you have uh, Chris Boucher. I mean, that's a good team. They had Ennis, right? Uh, the Dylan Ennis, right? I think they did. I'd have to double check, but I just remember the top six. I know being he elite. was either on sixteen or seventeen. I think he was still on that team. Yeah, I remember him transferring from Villanova to play on Oregon. He was like decent. Maybe he was on yeah. that team. Well, that Oregon change. couldn't hit a shot in that game as well. Like, if they if they have like a halfway decent three point shooting night. They beat North Carolina easily. He was on that team. I was right. Yeah. It 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 would have been so interesting to see a Gonzaga Oregon national title. Oh man. Did you know that Dylan Tyler's brothers? Huh? CBS probably enjoyed North Carolina being there, but I would have enjoyed seeing. Yeah. An Oregon Gonzaga title game. Yeah. Did you know that Dylan and Tyler Ennis are brothers, though? That makes sense. Yeah, but they don't look anything alike, like at all. That's like uh, Marcus Zagorowski and Michael Carter Williams being brothers. I'm gonna have. I know. I'm gonna have to pull up photos of both of them. Yeah, I don't think they look at all alike. Like, besides the last name, I just... I don't see it. Yeah, they don't... Yep. Are you sure they're brothers? Yeah, it says it on uh, Wikipedia or something like that. So it's probably not true, but it could be. Well, Wikipedia never lies. They're usually usually pretty credible, though. Yeah, they are brothers. That is true. Wikipedia says it. Wikipedia, they're they're not always the most accurate when it comes to information, but most of the times they're right. So I'll take their word. Yeah, they can be right. Yeah. And nope, they do not look anything alike. No, they do not at all. It how that is the most Michael Carter Williams, uh, Marcus Zagorowski. At least with the Ennis brothers, they have the same last name, so you can kind of see it, or you can kind of say, well, Tyler and uh, that you can see them being brother or like. It makes sense for them to be brothers, whereas like Marcus Zagorowski, Michael Carr Williams, like when have they even been yeah, in Carter, the same sentence together? Carter Williams and Zagorowski kind of look alike, at least though. Yeah, but you can see some resemblance there. Yeah, but it the, the last name's not there, so it it doesn't yeah. have that effect. No, it doesn't. But I guess it happens. Devon Dotson, his brother is uh, like a hockey. He's, he's in the NHL. 
I don't watch hockey, but they said that during every Kansas game. The the that those are some interesting. What what are some other like brother combinations? Ooh, that's interesting. Ah, can't think of any off the top of my head, but obviously, Killing Tilly, Jalen Crutcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actual ones though, like that. I feel like there's always interesting ones, but. You know, always forget, I guess. There was one. I forgot who the uh, I forgot who the recruit was. I think he's a 2021 recruit. He's like brothers with uh, J.P. Tokito or something. And they look nothing alike and have a different last name. So. Uh, oh, Nate Britt, Chris Jenkins. Half-brothers. Who? Who with Chris Jenkins? Nate Britt. Really? Yeah. They're like half that's brothers. And that's like, weird. Cause uh I he apparently like Chris Jenkins, like he hits the shot in sixteen and he went like he always went to North Carolina practice gym to practice. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's another interesting one. Pulling out I don't think that's Best ones, Blake and Taylor Griffin. That that's everyone knows that. Yeah. Except Taylor Griffin just wasn't good. Yeah, but he got drafted just because of Blake Griffin. Where did he go? Suns, right? Uh. Yep. Yeah, let's go with Suns. He played. He was drafted by the Suns and only played eight games. Oh, legend. Uh. Marcus and Markeith Morris, they were yeah, they were good. Notable. Uh, they're all they're still around. Jason and Jaron Collins. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this oh, and it's in Karam Cantor, even though <laughs> he didn't play in college. Uh, yeah. It, who would have thought Karam Cantor would be the better uh, college player than Ennis Cantor? Yeah, I mean, it's just facts. It, unlike Ennis, Karim played defense. Yeah, I forgot what game it was, but was it It might have been the NCAA tournament game where Xavier, did they lose to Florida State when they were one yes. seed? They did, right? Yes. Didn't he, like, air, was it that game where he, like, airballed a three with, like, a second left where they could have tied it? And it was just kind of a disaster. I think it was a game that year. I don't remember who it was that game, though. Uh, we can, I guess, Google it. Or that just never happened and I just made it up, but I think it happened. Oh, it did happen. Was it that game? Yep. (laughs) I don't know why I remember that. That's weird. I, I did, did Karim Cantor airball, and the first thing co- that comes up uh, is Reddit. Karim Cantor airballs potential game-tying shot with seven seconds to left. Xavier loses. Yeah. I remember that, and I remember uh, Merrick Dolajai getting tossed like 30 feet in the air after taking a charge from Zion Williamson. 
dude got just straight tossed like he just like he got like ran over by like a truck. That's how far he went in the air. Like that's a moment I'll never forget. Well, that that that's a full uh, semi truck hitting you. Yeah, that's big man hitting you. That's like nearly 300 pounds. Yeah. All, all baby fat, no muscle at yeah. all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Staying sure. with Duke, Mason, Miles, and Marshley Plum- Marshall Plumley. Mm-hmm. And the Zeller brothers. And the Zeller brothers. Uh, Charles and Ed O'Bannon for UCLA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ed O'Bannon, not a fan. He, he not can't. that I ever saw him play live, but. Uh, Let's see. Moving on to a different one. Cheers. Brothers with somebody. Who's he brothers with? Uh, hold on. Jaron and Jeremy Grant. One was good in college. One is no longer in the NBA. Uh, one was not good in college and is a good player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I swear that I saw Joel Barrios' brothers with somebody else, but I don't. I can't find it. Maybe I thought he was brothers with someone who played college basketball with a different last name. Uh, let's 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 see. Like, I swear I read that somewhere, but maybe it just wasn't a thing, and it didn't actually happen. It's always possible. Doesn't look like it, based on quick Google searches. But we'll see. That will wrap it up, though, for this edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. Uh, We'll be back sometime with more uh, fun comparisons, brother-wise, and everything. Stay tuned.